What, what am I supposed to say? I've never listened to a podcast. You're listening to Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. You're, you're, you're listening to Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. Big podcast. Brian McCulloch here with Big Wheel Coaching. Hey, you're listening to Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another edition of the Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. I am the assistant to the Big Wheel herself, the host of this podcast, Brian McCulloch, and I am joined by my partner in crime, Brady Kiss. Brady, so awesome to have you back on the podcast. Thanks, man. It's been a, been a minute for sure. Stoked to be back and uh, got a good topic for people today, I think. We do. We do. Uh, you've been, you've been camping a lot. You haven't, you haven't <laughs> been gone. You've just been camping. You've been, you've been, uh, camping up a storm, right? Yeah. Trying to get out there and, uh, enjoy it for sure. Joshua tree jo- is sick. Highly recommend it to people. Go out there. I love Check that. it out. I love that. I love that. So, well, we've got a great topic for everyone today here on the podcast. And for those who are new, who are just joining us or, or for all of our athletes out there that have referred friends to Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. We're so happy that you're all listening. And the whole purpose of this podcast is, and I know I can speak for Joy and Leo. I don't want to speak for Brady. He can can speak for himself here. But our podcast is about helping athletes at every level get the most out of themselves. We've all been athletes for a long time. We've raced at, at the highest levels. We've done all sorts of things on bikes. And what we've realized over that time is you have good days and you have bad days. And what matters is, and you don't really, you can't always control all the variables to make sure that the day of your goal event or the day of your big ride or whatever is going to be a good day. So sometime you're going to be confronted with having a bad day when you don't want it. And so the whole purpose of us exploring all of these other topics is because we want to help give people the tools from which they can end experience, they can draw upon so that they can be successful when they don't have good legs, when things aren't going their way, that they can change the tide if they start having a gurgly stomach or bad legs or, or uh, a, you know, a tough day on the bike, they can turn it in their favor and make the most of it. So this isn't just about making sure that your engine, your fitness is as powerful as possible. This is about helping you ride your bike to the best of your abilities on that day. That's what our whole podcast is about. That's really what our coaching methodology is about, is we want to help people get the most out of themselves on that day. Something that we like to think of as like emptying the tank. Right, Brady? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, it's things change and uh, you can only control the controllables, but we'll try to help give you some info that will make more things controllable or like you can, yeah, hopefully learn some things and uh, take little tips away and help use it in in your racing or training or whatever and make it go a little bit better. And one of those topics today, because we're getting into the fall months and those uh, for those listening in the Midwest and even around the world, we have some folks that listen from around the world and it's not surprise, surprise. We're in Southern California. And so it's a lot of people thinking, oh man, we just, now we have to start training indoors because of the time change, but we still have reasonable enough weather that people can ride their bikes outdoors um, and even put lights on and go ride at night outdoors if people are really adventurous. But for the rest of the country, for the rest of the world, they're in four seasons climates where there's a real need for indoor training. And so today we're talking about all things indoor training. We're not just specifically talking about one particular aspect of it, but we're going to talk about all things because we've got a lot of different athletes that use indoor training, be it because they're time crunched, be it because the time change happened and there's no outdoor riding at night, right? Or there's no light available, be it because of the weather, our Midwest folks, and Briggs going to talk to this quite a lot of it, our Midwest folks like, hey, we know you are all tough as nails and you guys will go ride outside when it's cold and miserable, but sometimes it's better just to get on the trainer and tap out, tap out a ride, um, and be done with it. So there's a lot of different people using indoor training and 
there's a lot of different aspects of it. So we want to kind of touch on it from all of our experience and share with people the pros and the cons, the good and the bad, and hopefully a couple of tips and tricks to help you get the most out of your indoor training experience. Right, Brady? Yeah, exactly. Um, as you said, I, I lived in the Midwest for about six years, so I, I know what it's like out there when it's like 20 degrees is the high and you're thinking like, ah, I could maybe ride outside. It's like sunny, but uh, yeah, definitely. I know the, I know about indoor training, so we'll talk about that. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's important for everyone too. Like, I mean, like you said, some places it's so snowy um, and you can just go into spin class or, or whatever, but there's definitely everyone's doing indoor training. Absolutely. What are the, some of the positives? Let's go through that down. Like what are some of the positives to going indoor training? Yeah. So, I mean, number one is like, you're, you're fully in control of what you do. Basically. Like you don't have to worry about traffic, stop signs, wind, potholes, whatever, like driver texting on next to you. Um, so like if you're doing really specific work, it's really easy to just get on the trainer and nail it down. Like you're not having really any outside environmental distractions or anything like that. So I'd say that's, uh, that's one really positive. Like, you know, if you have to do a certain power, it's pretty, there shouldn't be anything besides you stopping you from hitting that certain power, basically. Um, I would say another thing, it's like super repeatable. I know when we, when we talk about doing like testing and like, I mean, this is maybe not what we we really do, but all like lab tests, like VO2 max tests, all that stuff is done indoors on a trainer because it's repeatable, right? So you can basically have the same uh, environment, same equipment, same time, whatever. Um, and having repeatability like really narrows down, like, um, yeah, narrows down the information, right? So you can like take out variables where you could say like, oh, well, you know, last time I did this FTP test, I did it up a hill and this time I did it on flat. So maybe that has to deal with like why my power is different or you don't really have any of those guessing things when you do it indoors on the trainer. Um, and then another positive I thought would is pretty cool is like uh, some people crunch for time, you know, your work at you're at work all day. And then it's time to come home and you see on training peaks that you got to ride for like two hours and uh, your family wants to chill, you know, whatever, have some downtime. Well, if you're riding indoors, you just jump on the trainer. You guys watch a little family uh, movie, some TV time with, with the spouse, whatever. Uh, it's pretty easy to do if you're in the same room and riding the trainer and uh, at least you get some, some chill time. Well, I, I can talk, I can appease or I can appease. Where did that, where did that come from? Maybe that's <laughs> what I'm thinking about is appeasing my wife. Right. But yeah, what I, I can talk through that from being a new father, right. It's just the idea of there's some things that need to be done around the house or this, that, the other. And it's like very easy. Just throw on the bibs, jump on the trainer and do a workout. And we can catch up about all things business. We can catch up about Seamus. We can catch up about all the things going on by, by utilizing the trainer instead of there being a block of time from which, well, Brian is just inaccessible, right. Or joy is unaccessible. Right. So the, the family, component. I thought that was really cool that you brought that up because I hadn't even thought about that as an as as an advantage. And even we have some some locals around here that do group trainer sessions and that group atmosphere can be so powerful for people because it's going to help them be accountable and not to say that people are looking for ways to be unaccountable because anyone listening to this podcast, I can tell you they're extremely accountable. They do the work, but it's more that it makes it more of an enjoyable experience. And when you're working all day and you're, you know, work is work, right? It's a four letter word. It's like some of us enjoy our work, but at the end of the day, it's still work. And so they'd probably be rather be doing something else. And, you know, we don't want your cycling to feel like that. And so group training can help make that, uh, bring in that group element and that social element. So a lot of <clears throat> a lot of good stuff there. So I'm glad you brought that up that the group environment can be extremely positive for people. How about negatives, Brady? What, what do you see any negatives? I mean, <clears throat> we, we talked about some negatives being out on the open road, like having distracted drivers or wind or cold or weather or potholes. 
or other things that can make it very difficult to have to, to create a repeatable benchmark workout to kind of assess your fitness. Right. And I think that's important for a lot of our people to get a, a check in with their fitness. So we talked about that being a negative of the outdoor riding, although there's so many other positives that outweigh those things in, in almost all cases. But it's important that we know those things. So w- what negatives are to doing the indoor training? Um, well, for me, the first thing is like, I've always thought it was so boring. I mean, the reason we're all doing indoor training, right. Is so that we're better when we ride outdoors. I feel like for most people. So like that enjoyment of going out, it's nice outside. You just get to go ride your bike. Like that's the best. So, um, I would say my biggest negative is just like boring compared to being outside riding it's like running on the treadmill right it's like the same type of thing so you just stare at what's ever in front of you and that's tough sometimes um i would say another negative and i've experienced this one kind of firsthand with the little anecdotal story is but uh you're you're good at building power but you kind of lose those bike handling skills you know you're not out there like taking corners uh, after you just climbed a hill, you'd rip the downhill or whatever, you know, like there's a lot of things that you group riding, like skills kind of decrease. You're not really aware of what's going on around it as much. So that can kind of be a, a pretty big detractor, right? Like you can be strong as you want, but as long if you can't ride your bike well, then we're going to have some problems. So I've seen that um, when I was in racing collegiate, there was like some schools uh, like the Air Force and West Point and stuff like that, they have to like ride only on the base. So it makes it really hard to do like big training basically. So they would uh, ride on the trainer and then whenever they would come out, like could be a bit sketchy, you know what I'm saying? So you, you know like who to ride next to and, uh, and just because you're strong doesn't mean that it's a good wheel to follow just because they're a little sketchy. Well, let's not just think about that from a road standpoint. Let's think about that from a mountain or gravel standpoint, an off-road standpoint, right? Like there's there's an interesting progression when we go outside. It's not that we're just progressing kind of physically in our training, right? So let's say springtime comes for a lot of people and they haven't been doing a lot of training. Um, and so then they get on their bikes again, maybe they've been in the gym and doing yoga and doing some of these other cross training activities. And then they get back on their bikes in the spring and they're a mountain bike rider and this, that, the other, and they've got some rusty skills, but let's just, that usually progresses together, right? Like their skills progress with their fitness. Well, now all of a sudden we're in a scenario where because of outdoor or indoor training and things like Swift and trainer road and all these other things that are available, these wonderful tools people's fitness is staying at a very high level, which is a very good thing. But we have to remember that there's more than just the fitness element to being a good bike rider. So when people come out and they start riding the trails again, be it because they were covered with snow or whatever, you get back out on the trails and you are now driving a sports car. Whereas last year you maybe weren't driving a sports car because you weren't training indoors. Now all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a second, you can get yourself into some trouble and that could risk a crash or injury or something like that. So it's just important to keep in mind that that although we are building the fitness element, we're not necessarily building the other elements that make you a well-rounded, solid bike rider that can perform in all aspects, not just by pushing the pedals hard. So that's definitely something um, to keep in mind. I mean, I think a negative is a strong word for it, but it's just that's it's just a different problem that we need to be mindful of because we don't want anyone getting any trouble. So, you know, speaking of, of that, what was like, I think it's worthwhile because a lot of our athletes have been around a while, but also a lot of our athletes are, are just getting into hardcore indoor training for the first time. And they know of direct drive trainers, Zwift and, plenty of technical issues, be it with a Wahoo spin down, which I've had a couple of guys that just have like the bane of their existence has been a 5 a.m. workout with a Wahoo spin down that just won't work. And, you know, they're all geared up and ready to go at 5 a.m. and trying to knock out a one hour workout and it just uh, doesn't work out. So what was what was old school indoor training like? I think that's fun to kind of just share with everybody because it's a quite a bit different experience, Brady. What was that like? Um, what do you what, what has your experience has been there? Yeah. Um, 
I just remember like super big clunky trainers that were really loud, like the wind ones or like even, I mean, just like the fluid one. There's a lot of different type of trainers. Um, they didn't really have that good of a road feel. I'm like the loudness. So you'd be like shaking the whole house basically, especially or like if you rode it in the hotel or something like that, guaranteed the three floors below you is hearing your trainer, you know, shaking the whole place. So um, that's kind of funny. Um, it's just like, you just had to grit, like, I mean, maybe watch a movie or something like that, but you just had to like sit in, in a room. It's probably hot. You just ride the bike. And, uh, like I said, boring. That's, that's what I have to say about it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's been, uh, pretty, pretty miserable in the past. In fact, uh, everyone at home will appreciate this, I think, but or maybe just sympathize with it. But back the very first year we did the tour of Taiwan back in 2017, it was like, it was so interesting because we got to ride with a whole new Peloton of people from all sorts of the world. It was the first time I'd raced in Asia and, you know, you get used to seeing other American, North American teams. And so, you know, the Canadians do things a certain way. The Mexican teams do things a certain way. The American teams from West coast and East coast do things a different way. But now all of a sudden, you go over to Asia and now all of a sudden you've got Russian national team, you've got Italian teams, you've got Malaysian teams, Japanese teams, all these other things going on. And, and I was so blown away by the Russian teams because they're notoriously hardcore to the, to the, you know, they, they used to say there, there's an old book that was talking about Eastern European uh, methodology of training. And they said, you know, cyclists are like eggs you throw them against the wall and the ones that don't crack stay right like they were just brutal to their people brutal so this russian uh national team it's like beautiful weather in taiwan i mean like beautiful weather you couldn't ask for any better weather in taiwan and it's real nice you're you're riding in march with you know just bib and jersey and sunscreen and we would finish the the race which was a very very hard race and it was kind of got to be a joke because every day the Russian national team was like team time trialing out the back. Like they were out the back, Brady, out the back. And uh, they would they would just be like surfing their team car the whole way in because they were just so out the back, right? And then they would come in and we would be waiting for transfer, which means we're waiting for buses to roll around to pick us up and take us to the next, next uh, hotel, right? And the Russians would have rollers and trainers set up facing a wall like there would be a random wall where we were and they would be facing a building and there would be these six guys on this trainer on you know on their bikes on their trainer staring at the wall no music no ipod no phone no nothing just riding staring at a wall and they would ride for 30 45 minutes an hour they would just do and it wasn't like a fun spin down trust me the guy was cracking the whip that coach, he was cracking the whip on these guys. But anyway, that's what I think of when I think of like old school indoor training. I just remember like, you know, having a little train, having an old loud trainer in the garage, staring at a, you know, staring at a poster or something like that and trying to maintain being fired up for the, for the next season. So yeah, old school training is not what, uh, yeah, new school is much better, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> so so i guess then then we got to ask ourselves is the is the investment worth it right and so i mean i'm gonna say yes <laughs> much better than, than the old uh the old scenario for sure so what um kind of first step in setting up your pain cave i want to think about we wanted to bring this up and brady and i talked a lot with everyone uh amongst ourselves before coming on with everyone and what we talked about was how to set up a pain cave properly because it was old school where these things were really loud. So they had to be in the corner of the garage or out of the way. Cause you couldn't do it right. Like we live in a house that has a, has a raised floor. And so when we would ride, it was exactly like Brady said, like it would vibrate the floor. And so the whole house was in. So now I, there's no way I could do that with baby Seamus around. Like he would, he already doesn't sleep. There's no way he would sleep now. So like when I think of setting up a pain cave now, I think you've got to make it easy, inviting, enticing for people, for you as an athlete, and even maybe incorporated into the, the family area so that you can do it amongst your family and be 
be there? I mean, what are your thoughts, Brady? How do you set up the pain cave? Yeah, I mean, it, another, like, I guess this kind of goes with positives, but goes along with this too. It's like, it's pretty nice if, let's say, you have to go to work early in the morning or something like that. Like, you can roll out of bed, grab some quick food, grab your cup of coffee. You don't have to layer up with a bunch of arm warmers, leg warmers, base layers, vest, jacket, whatever. Um, you could just throw on some bibs, get on the trainer, and do your thing. Um, so, like, making it easy to get on and near things that are convenient to you. Um yeah, that makes it like just so much easier to want to get your workout done and rather than like waking up, checking the temperature, getting all dressed up, going out there, maybe with lights on. So um, just make it, like you said, make it easy, uh, comfortable. And so like do it so you want to get on the trainer, not like dreading the trainer, you know? Well, we used to old school and some people probably still do this now is it's like, you know, your trainer was over in a corner because you wanted to try and keep it set up, right? So it would, you, you just kind of keep it set up and so you could just jump on it and go. But it was always kind of like out of the way, right? Like whether it was in the garage and it was kind of cold and dingy or maybe it's I had an athlete once who was doing it in his uninsulated basement in New England. And so he would yeah. get up in the morning and it was like, you know, he'd get up at five in the morning to do a workout and it was like, you know, 36 or 38 degrees in the basement and i was like man if that doesn't sound inviting and, and it was just yeah i mean it was just a bit much you know it was a bit yeah. much because he was it was uninviting not fun so when when i think about it now because we can use bluetooth and wireless to be able to have tv connection and watch netflix or even do all these things it's like bring that into the into a, an environment that is welcoming for you so that you're you're looking forward to it and make it a little bit of a centerpiece right like if you're training and you're listening to this podcast this is a this is a part of your lifestyle this isn't like some sideshow that you just do on the weekends when no one's looking right like if you're proud enough to put on you know the superhero outfit of lycra that we all do be proud of this part too and like let's make it easy for you so let's bring it into the area that is convenient for you. Even if it's in the garage, let's just spruce it up a little bit and make it so it's motivational, it's enticing, it's welcoming, it's a place where you can look forward to what you're going to do. Because, you know, as as we kind of talked about, it's like people always like kind of tough talk with like, oh, this is our pain cave. It's going to be awesome. It's our suffer room. And, and that's cool. And that's important because you're definitely going to do a lot of hard work there. But at the same time, if, if we just make it in this dingy little thing and there's like a cat box next to you or like, you know, there's no air movement and all you do is just like it smells like, you know, a stinky gym sock. That's probably not going to be something you're going to look forward to doing <laughs> at five o'clock in the morning. Right. <laughs> right. Definitely not. that. So what um, what about what to wear, Brady? Like, is there. um. Any anything any suggestions on what to wear for people? Because I, I think that's an important thing to go over. Is a, a lot of people kind of tend to start with their old stuff because they don't want to wear good stuff on the trainer, right? I mean, what do you think of that? Uh yeah. I mean, I would I would say go for the good stuff. I mean, no one's gonna see you, but uh, you could you could still flex on yourself a little bit. Wear your nice clothes. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, like you just don't want to get a saddle sore, right? So, you know, some of those blown out bibs that we all keep around, even though we have 14 other pairs, um, probably not the best because it, it can limit your ability to train continuously, right? If you aren't doing too good down there. So, um, I think it's important not to just wear your like worst bibs, um, and I would say, like we talked about this, definitely wear your heart rate monitor. Um, because you're doing indoor training, it's like generally hotter or like your body just can't control the temperature as well. You're not like riding in the wind. You know what I'm saying? It's very easy just to get like so sweaty and hot, especially if it's like cold outside. Your heater is probably on in your house, which like quickly you'll realize when you're on the trainer, like, okay, I need to turn off the heater. Um but yeah, so you there's something called heart rate drift basically or decoupling where um you're you're not able to put out the same power uh 
for the same heart rate, basically. Like your heart rate will be higher at the same power level that you've been at. And um, we can kind of identify that. And and uh, if it's happening more on the trainer, maybe due to the environment, just because hotter, your core temperature is going up, uh, you can't get rid of the heat. So that's probably uh, definitely where your heart rate monitor. And um, I know like, you don't have to wear a helmet, so like that kind of helps prevent sweat. But uh, maybe like have a mat underneath you so that you don't like drip all over your nice carpet or hardwood floor if you're in the house. And uh, wear like a headband or something that can kind of like keep the sweat out of your face. And I would say like have towels near you. Um, I mean, you can make it as like nice as you want, right? Like you, that's that's what's pretty convenient about uh, the whole indoor thing. Like. You can have all the amenities of your home while you're on your bike. Like, that's pretty tight. Oh, absolutely. That's pretty good. But, you know, I'm so glad you brought up about the shorts because I think people need to keep in mind that it's a little bit different environment when you're riding on the trainer. Okay. So when we ride outside, there's a number of different things happening. And not one of those things is that you get to shift and move around on the saddle. And that's not happening as much on the bike or excuse me, on the indoor trainer. When you're on the indoor trainer, it's like a lot of pressure in a localized area and you don't move that much, right? Like when you're out riding, depending on what your terrain is like, right? There's undulations and climbs and downhills and all sorts of stuff, right? I mean, even even in the flattest portions of the country, they're still, you know, rolling enough to be able to shift around on your saddle. And that that all relieves pressure and allows blood flow to come to your undercarriage. Okay. And so what's important is that is not happening as frequently in an indoor training environment. Okay. Which means you're much, 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 much more prone to abrasion, right? And saddle sore. And so when you're going, that is why Brady is saying, wear your best shorts. It's not because we want you to be a fashionista. I mean, wear your most comfortable, best fitting shorts all the time, even if even up to and including if you have to buy a pair of special bibs that are just kind of super nice and maybe they're just black or something like that because maybe you have team shorts or your club that you ride for or whatever, right? Just get a good pair of shorts, the best pair of bibs that you can get, wear those and use copious amounts. Maybe copious isn't the right word. Be generous with the chamois cream. Okay, if you're not currently wearing chamois cream and you say, well, I never use it when I ride outdoors, indoors, you're probably going to want to ride with it because there's just, again, that extreme pressure and push, especially if you're doing sustained uh, steady state efforts on the trainer, man, that that can make such a big difference. Chamois butter, I mean, I've used chamois butter just forever and ever and ever, and it's specifically the chamois, excuse me, the chamois butter brand, and I love that stuff. So it's like, just just get it, use it, be done with it, have the peace of mind that you're doing it. So that's, in my mind, that is the one thing. When we think about what to wear, yes, I'd like you to wear your heart rate monitor because it's going to help us collect better data. It's going to help us illustrate some, some important training concepts that are going to translate to outdoors and help build your fitness. Would it be great to have a headband and not have sweat in your eyes? Of course. Do you not want stinky carpet under you? Yes. Put a towel under you. But legitimately... The thing that will bring your training and your momentum to a halt faster than anything is saddle discomfort. So just wear your best bibs, wear the chamois butter, be done with it. And then as soon as you're off that bike, you know, please get yourself cleaned up, get yourself taken care of. If you have to, you know, um, address any abrasions or, or um, anything there, please, please, please do, because that's going to impact future training and ultimately future fitness. So I think that's that's really, really important to for people to think about when they're training indoors. As for training time of day, I think this is something we've got to discuss, Brady. Training in the morning. We know a bunch of our athletes, you listening at home, 100%. Like I know guys that are getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and on the trainer by 4.15, 4.20. I mean, they are literally just roll out of bed, right into some bibs and shoes and getting after it, okay? There's there's no lack of information surrounding us. It's like, oh, fasted training, fasted training, do fasted training. Breakfast before uh, 
early morning training, Brady. What do you say? Uh, yeah, I say definitely eat some breakfast. Um, it doesn't need to be something super big, but like your body just been sleeping for a long time, kind of get it going, get some quick energy. So, uh, just like not crazy calories, you know, like 250 is probably solid. Um, banana, some toast, something small, like pretty easy to, uh, just gobble something down and get on the trainer. Yeah. I think something that's easy to digest, right? But also has some sustenance with it. And why are we saying carbohydrates? We're saying carbohydrates because over overnight, your muscle glycogen stores have been depleted because, of course, you're, it's the longest period of time where you go without eating, if you're a normal human, that is. right. There are some people that are doing some other things. But th- that being said, <laughs> you want to you wanna be able to get up have a light something. And I don't think of it as having breakfast because I'm sure a bunch of people at home that are training in the morning regularly are like, oh, I just can't do it. Oh my God, Brian, don't do that. Don't tell me to do that. I'm not telling you to eat breakfast. I'm not saying have, you know, go to Denny's and have a grand slam. What I'm saying is have a bit of toast, have, you know, uh, maybe even uh, there's a cliff bar that you like or, a, you know, a bonk breaker or something like that. Like, that's fine. That's fine. Just have something in your stomach that's easy to digest, that isn't going to be a brick or a bomb there. But also, I don't want everyone to, to hear, well, geez, if Brian's saying something easy to digest, maybe I'll just bust out a goo. I'll just start my morning with a goo, right? That sounds like nutritious and, and, and lovely, right? Let's start the morning out with a goo, right? But I just don't want folks to, to think that's what I'm saying. I just have, have some real food, but have some easy, easily digestible real food in a small amount. It's going to just help get your blood sugar back in line from sleeping and also not spike your blood sugar like what a goo would do. Um, we, we don't want you to have the crash after the workout. I want you to finish your workout, feel really energized, roll into the rest of your day, ready to kick ass and take names. So the, the reasoning for us suggesting quote unquote breakfast, which is really just a pre-ride snack, is because we want you to have a great workout, but also enjoy the rest of your day. Um, so. I don't, I don't think there's anything to add there. Brady, what do you think? I mean, is there anything I missed on that? Uh, no, I think that that just about covers it. How about the opposite side of it, though, Brady? Late night training, right? We, we know that there's also, I mean, Joy specifically, she's a night owl. She'd stay up all night if we let her, right? Like there's people that are, you know, again, I have athletes that, that we're coaching and it's like, I see their training peak stuff come across and at 8.30 at night, they're starting a 75-minute trainer workout right? How, how is the training going to impact their, their sleep, right? Let's think about the other side of it. What's that like? How can they prepare for that and, and work through that? Uh, yeah. I mean, so I think that just like kind of, it's very stimulating when you work out, like obviously you're going to be tired if you do a hard workout, but I mean, your brain just kind of gets going, I would say. And, um, so a lot of people, uh, find it hard to like go to sleep after they've done some exercise. Um, what I would say is then like, if you know, this is going to limit your ability to fall asleep easily or whatever, then you really have to be, um, careful about the other things that are going to be limiting sleep. So like, if you just get off the trainer late at night, whatever, then you like sit down at the computer and you're on the computer for 30 minutes or you lay down in bed and you're on your phone for an hour or whatever. Um, those things are also going to be like keeping you up or like maybe you had a caffeine gel or a coffee late in the afternoon, stuff like that. You got to be like super mindful of, because if you already have one thing working against you, you want to try to limit those other things. So what I would say is like, get off the trainer, brush your teeth real quick, do some meditation for five, 10 minutes, do some yoga, do some stretching, something like that um, can be a lot more calming and, and get you ready for bed and like kind of get that energy level going down and in the right direction to go to sleep at a reasonable time. And on top of that, there's some products that might help with that. One of the years ago, we had a sponsor that was called Infinite Nutrition and they, they do some good stuff. They had this product called Nocturne, which was just protein with a little bit of uh, melatonin infused in it. Right. And like uh, another great product is um, I think it's called Recover from um, GQ6. They had uh, it's like magnesium plus a little bit of melatonin in it. 
and both those things like help the body start that process of getting ready for bed. And, and I'm not suggesting you go out and buy those products, but what I'm saying is they, those are products that I've used personally in the past that were like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like that, that worked. Right. Um, but the reality is a little bit of protein before bed is going to help you a recover B go, uh, fall asleep. So even if you're doing a late night workout, know that that post ride recovery um, protein is going to be very, very important for you. Even if you ate dinner at say six or seven, jumped on your trainer at eight or eight 30, and then did an hour workout. And the other component I would say is if you're doing the workout late in the day, and I'm just going to use this as a real life example, because one of my athletes has done this where there's a 75 minute workout on the calendar and they started at 9 PM. Cause it's just, that was when kids went to bed and business finally wound down and all the stuff so they could have an hour of personal time. But I had something for 75 minutes up for them. In that case, I want the athlete to do 45 minutes or 60 minutes of riding. And then that delta of 15 minutes to be devoted to some yoga, stretching, meditation, something to calm the body back down and get it, get being prepared for sleep and then ultimately rejuvenation for the next day. So don't always hold yourself to the highest standards where it's like, well, coach Brady told me I have to do an hour and a half workout because, you know, I've got a big ride coming up straight away and went right out of winter and I've got to do this workout. No, no, no. If you're doing a starting a workout at nine o'clock at night, less is more in time and also intensity. Okay. Cause if you get compromised, terrible sleep, go back and listen to some of the podcasts that Brady and I have done about sleep. And that is just, we don't want to set one successful workout is not worth compromising the next four. Okay. So when I'm telling you folks this at home, like I'm not saying this cause I don't think you can, I know you can crush 75 minute workout at nine o'clock at night. I have zero, zero uh, reservation about saying that. What I have a reservation about is I don't need you crushing a 75 minute workout, not sleeping getting quality sleep, buzzing around in your head until midnight, falling asleep, finally getting up at five, attacking your day at the gym or excuse me, attacking your day at the office and kid stuff, family stuff, business stuff. And then being like, okay, I'm going to do another, I'm going to do another hardcore workout. And then by the end of the week, you're smoked. And then on the weekend, somehow you think you're going to get up early and bust out a three hour outdoor workout or whatever it is. Right. So I'm not saying shorten your workout because I don't believe you can do it. I'm saying shorten your workout because one great workout does not is not worth compromising the next four. Cool with you, Brady? Yeah, definitely ten four on that one. How about uh, Zwift racing, Brady? I mean, we've we've really talked quite a long time about indoor training without bringing up virtual training like Zwift and Trainer Road and Sufferfest and and Ruby and stuff like that. And I think. It's important, obviously, you can't, you can't do any really talking about indoor training these days without bringing those platforms up. But what I think a lot of people, I'm going to say at least 80% of the people that I coach that are doing indoor training are doing Zwift specifically. So we've got to talk about the group rides and races and the pros and cons to those. And, and for everyone listening at home, I think it's important that you really take special note of this section because we're going to ask you to think critically about why we're going to do these workouts and why, what the indoor trainer can do for you and what group training may not be doing for you. Right. So, uh, Brady, what, what are your thoughts on indoor group rides races? Is it like, are, are those intervals by osmosis like we think of outdoor group rides or is it, you know, gray area training? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, well, so I'll start off by saying I've never done a Zwift race, but I, from what I understand is like, they are insane. People are like ripping and I don't know like how Zwift works. Like I feel like some people put the wrong weight in and so like it makes it even harder on you if you did put the right weight in or whatever. But anyways, regardless of all that, it's super hard. So I think like there is value in going super hard, right? Like we, we all uh, love to go do our local group rides or those really hard interval workouts. Like it, it's part of the training that we need to do is, is that high intensity um, effort. 
And so I think that there is definitely value in doing the Zwift races. Um, I think like where it's important to be careful is, is not to try to do them all the time. Right. So like, uh, if you're going to ride hard, like you got to know that your body needs to recover from that. And you're not going to like expect the next day to go do another Zwift race or even two days later, like doing three or four days of really high intensity is, is not what you're looking for. For most people, and especially during this time of the year, most people are not looking for, or like, it's not going to be the most beneficial for them to be like ripping for an hour, uh, four days a week, basically. So I would say that you like do it, um, maybe once a week or, or like with moderation. Um, but it's, it's kind of important to like use Zwift as a tool, but not let it control what you're going to do. Like, still go into the ride that you're going to do with the plan, you know, like, okay, I'm going to ride endurance for two hours or hour or whatever. Like, um, I know the wattage is right there in the left-hand corner and it's big. So you can, you could watch that. So watch yourself and you know, if you're going to go too hard or not. So, um, yeah, I guess that's what I would say about it. Oh, right on, right on. That's the thing that I think about, with this is I have a love hate relationship with this because the Zwift, um, and in all fairness, like I've coached one of the guys that worked at Zwift on the marketing team and he was just a great man. He worked, you know, and, and he got a lot out of Zwift, right? They do, they do, they're doing great stuff over there. Okay. But one of the things from a coaching piece and something that we talked about the, at the training piece endurance coaching summit was that, when we're just racing all the time and we're doing kind of unstructured work, the challenge is it becomes a much more difficult to track your progress. Number one, which you might say, well, who cares? I'm still making progress, right? Well, the, the difference becomes we're now putting the destiny of our fitness into someone else's hands. And that someone doesn't necessarily have our best interest at heart. And, and in most cases, that's not even a consideration. So when we think of, I'll give you a couple of examples. When I think of someone who's training for uh, criterium racing in the spring, right? They're going to need a very different kind of a workout to prepare whatever their weaknesses are uh, and address those weaknesses. And those are not always addressed in these group rides and races. So that's why the structured work is really, really useful. And so doing the structured workout option for folks is intended to help them devote time to developing a very specific energy system. And developing that specific energy system is something that's going to directly translate to their goals. Okay. And again, I'm not trying to say that these races are not good for you. I'm not saying that they're bad for you. I'm merely saying that that there is such thing as too much of a good thing. So I think as I've been reviewing those files and you see riders doing a 0.9 intensity factor or, or higher for 50 minute, 50 minutes at a time, that's, that's a really, really intense workout. And they may not be able to reproduce that by themselves. So that's in the pro category. Hey, that's a very good thing. I want them to be able to do that. But now all of a sudden, if it's like, Hey, I had fun doing this and now I want to do this two, three, four days a week. Well, for example, if you're going to do a 60-minute criterium and you're going to do a 0.9 IF, that's something you do on Saturday and Sunday. And in some cases, you do a similar, not nearly as intense workout on a Tuesday or Thursday as part of a group ride session, right? So you're doing two of those workouts, not both of them are maximal, one of them being maximal every week. Well, it's very easy now with Zwift because it's a worldwide phenomenon. You can be doing that three times a week. You can do that four times a week. You know what? You could just be like, Hey, I don't even need a coach. I'm just going to do those four times a week and I'll be fit. Right. Right. And that's, and that's something where obviously people listening to this podcast are not, they understand and appreciate the need to address specific weaknesses, to address specific energy systems. And that they appreciate having the feedback and expert advice to be able to say, Hey, this is what I can do to get better and get closer at my goals. Right. But my, my point is still worth bringing up that, we live in the real world. We want you to have fun having virtual 
uh, training like Zwift is very important and can be a ton of fun. What I, what I don't want it to be is the sole source of your fitness. Okay. And so one thing that we're exploring is like, there's some other platforms or even within Zwift where it's like, maybe we can lead something and do our own group ride, right? In which we do something that is more in line with what's going to serve our athletes instead of just saying, Hey, here's the course, everyone go race it out. And, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We know there's probably a couple of people here that, uh, did, did some fudging of numbers to make their Watts per kilo to be more favorable and advantageous for them. So they can kind of be the hammer instead of the nail. Right. And so uh, I think that's important for everyone to understand that I want you to hit targets that you're going to hit and feel good about. And sometimes being the nail all the time is just, that doesn't lead to long-term success. So um, Zwift is an awesome thing. We certainly like it. I certainly promote it. I don't mean promote. It's a strong word, but, but I'm a proponent for it. But uh, I just want everyone to, to have their cake and eat it too and not just rely on that. Is is that fair, Brady, or did I go on too long about that? No, I think, yeah, I think that's solid. No, for sure. Okay. okay. What else, Brady? Is there anything else on this, on the list that we need to kind of talk about for indoor training? Anything you feel like we missed? Um, I think we hit most of it. The only thing that we didn't talk about was the indoor versus outdoor FTP. Um, there was, that was Ooh, talked about yes. in one of those Hunter Allen articles that we read. Um, basically what they were saying is that there, there could be a number of different reasons, um, why it feels harder to ride indoor than it does outdoor. Like maybe you're, you feel like you're riding just as hard, but your watts like are 20 watts lower or something like that. Um, so one thing that I talked about in the article was about like the momentum of your rear wheel in like when you're on the trainer, there's like constant um, resistance applied to your rear wheel that, that doesn't really happen uh, outdoors. And so outdoors, you kind of have that weak point in your pedal where you're like, you push through and then like you're trying to catch back up to go around the next time basically. So like the bottom to back half of your pedal stroke can sometimes be weak over the top. Um, and then because of that, you kind of get like a slight rest. And when you're on the trainer, it's, it's a lot easier to have like a fluid pedal stroke or like that the whole circle is being resistant. So, um, you don't really get that like a little micro rest and that could be one reason why some people feel that it's harder on the trainer than it is outdoor. Um, there could be a, a few other things. Like I've heard people say like, oh, my power meter just doesn't read very well on the, on the trainer or like maybe you're on rollers. So like it, what it says is completely wrong because the power is not, you're not being resisted at all. Um. So there's a few different things like that to pay attention to and not to like get caught up in, in the numbers if they're super different, right? Like if you've been consistently able to put out a certain power as your threshold power outdoor and then all of a sudden you go into training indoor and like you can't hit that number, um, it's not something to be freaked out about. And like it might take some adjusting of the numbers to where you have like an uh, do an indoor test and you find out like your FTP is a bit lower, like uh, – it said in the article, if it was like 10 watts or less, then just go with it. But if it's 10 watts more, uh, or 11 or more, I would say, then you should have like both an indoor and outdoor, indoor and outdoor FTP. Agreed, brother. Agreed. Yeah. That's something that's, it's, it's important for people to understand. I think we've all, we've all got YouTube and we've probably seen this stuff. Maybe I'm the only one that saw this, but I want people to think of like riding the trainer is, is like this. Okay. Newer trainers are, are getting better and better and better. In fact, Brady, you were saying that new tax Neo is like, you know, simulating going across cobbles and things like that. So the, the newer, newer, newer cutting edge trainers that are, you know, pretty spendy. Those, those don't apply to what I'm about to say, but for those still using older trainer setups that were wheel driven or even um, kind of, uh, flywheel driven. You have to think of it like if you were to go out running and you did sprints, those are hard enough as it is, but you're just trying to push. It's just you against 
overcoming the wind, so to speak, right? Like you're just trying to move through that space. But imagine, and you probably are all seen cross-training videos with football players or soccer players where they run with a parachute on their back. That's what it's like to ride the trainer. That parachute is always pulling. And there's a moment when you're running where both feet are in the air. You're suspended in the air. That's the same thing on your pedal strip. There's a point at which you're not putting out any power, right? When your foot is at the bottom and your other foot is at the top. You're not putting out any power, right? And in that particular case with the parachute on, the parachute is still slowing you down, right? And like you're like, oh, I got to keep going, right? So that's why the trainer feels kind of heavy. And that's why your legs are probably going to hurt more. And that's why we're telling you an hour workout on the trainer is plenty, right? There's plenty of our, there's many of our Midwest and back East riders where it's just culturally, you know, they'll do two and three and four hour um, trainer rides. In fact, Brady and I, when we were coming on, we were just doing a little research and there was a guy that did a hundred mile bike ride on the, on the trainer um, on uh, that came through on Strava. And it's like, geez, that's just crazy, right? So for the most part, folks, we're 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 just saying less is more on the trainer because there's that additional resistance, because there's all these things. Don't think that it's one for one. Because you don't coast every time, every hour on the bike on the trainer is like, I don't want to say an hour and a half, but it's like between an hour and 15 minutes or more because you don't coast, right? Because you don't coast. So depending on you know how developed you are as a cyclist. A lot of people, when they're very new, they ride their bikes and they coast a lot. If you're a very developed cyclist and you don't coast a lot outdoors, well, then you're probably not coasting all that much. Thus, thus, your indoor to outdoor training is probably very similar in uh, TSS per hour, right? So, again, that's going to depend on terrain and your development as a cyclist and how much you're riding and what kind of workout you're doing. There's a lot of other factors there. So I don't want to sound like there's a hardcore on that, but there's definitely uh, something to be considered for when you ride your trainer, you don't coast. And that is like extra potent time of a workout. So don't feel like you always have to go epic and say, well, I usually do two hour Tuesdays. Well, you're not doing two hours on the trainer. 75 minutes is fine. Hour and a half is fine. Right. 10 four on that one. And with I that, I think that we, hit our points. <laughs> we did hit all of our points, Brady. You're absolutely right. So uh, for everyone at home, we would love it if you would join us for some of our upcoming Big Wheel Coaching events. We're really exciting or excited to share some cool Big Wheel Coaching events with you. Uh, the, the most, I would say the one that's coming up the fastest is we're doing every year we've done a Big Wheel Coaching Thanksgiving training series where we did a, a ride on Thursday of Thanksgiving, Friday of Black Friday, Saturday we've we've traditionally done a hundred miler, and then Sunday we've done kind of a climbing ride. It's always been a four day block, and uh, it's been they're free rides, they're unsupported rides. So what does unsupported mean? That means that you're responsible for having enough water, food, and flat repair to take care of yourself, right? Um, these aren't coached rides. These are just something we do for the community that we like to get out and see our friends. And we want a lot of our athletes have made them regular, um, uh, kind of occurrences and they bring out their friends and teammates. So for everyone at home, who's listening, you can look it up on Facebook and Strava. Just look up our events. You're welcome to come. We'd love to have you tell your teammates and friends. These are pretty advanced rides. So it's, they're not hammer fast race rides, but they're definitely, um, you got to have some fitness to join. So um, with that said, though, Brady, do we, are, are you ready to, to say something about? Uh, yeah. Okay, let's hear it. Yeah, so um, I am not that fit right now, <laughs> but I still am, am going in that direction and want to uh, encourage other people. So to kind of have uh, like some another option, we're going to do, Joy and I are going to do some shorter routes rather than uh, the super long ones. So maybe you just don't have the time to dedicate, like it's holidays, you've got stuff going on, like you don't want to go out and ride for five hours, whatever, um, like come out, ride with the short route, you can chat with Joy and I, uh, we're definitely going to have a decent group of folks rolling around and um, we're probably shooting for like two, two and a half or three hours rather than like four plus. So um, that'll still be tons of fun and uh, we were looking forward to having, having some folks ride with us and should be sick. Cool. So that's a new addition this year. We're going to have short route, long route. 
And it's really important that uh, everyone at home take this this one piece. If, you, if you're listening to any, any of this stuff about this particular aspect of, of what we're talking about, I want people to know that the short route is not something that's like, oh, cool. Well, that's just like a coffee ride. Like Brady and Joy are going to go out and they're going to do a proper bike ride and it's going to be great. And so it's not, uh, this is not. If you're listening to this podcast, you know Joy and I and Brady and Leo well enough to know that it's not like, oh yeah, you just did the short route, like oh you took the shortcut, right? And it's like no, no, this is. There's a lot of people at different stages of their fitness, right? And I might be talking to you right now, where Brady is is one of them, where he's like, hey, my fitness isn't as robust as I want, so why go suffer on the back for four 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 and a half hours of climbing with the guys and the gals that are you know kind of been on it why not just go get a really potent two and a half to three hour ride and then be able to repeat be able to repeat be able to repeat so if you're at home and you're listening you're thinking man i want to i want to come and join everybody but like that's a big ride for me take the short route option because we would rather remember earlier we said don't compromise don't get one great workout to compromise the next four it's not worth it so we're, we're folding that concept into the thanksgiving training rides as well so that you can go out and do join us for multiple days and not just have to do something epic and then be stuck on the couch the rest of the weekend. So keep that in mind. So again, check those out. You know, something I wanted to ask you, Brady, is like, I know you and I have always talked about this. Like we, we, we've done some uh, Wounded Warrior Project found, uh, fundraisers in the past, and we've always wanted to do another kind of fundraiser type ride. And we were thinking about may, maybe doing that as like doing all donations for this these free rides to be to a cause or something like that. Maybe we'll have to We'll see. We'll come up. We'll work on that. Maybe in the next podcast, we'll release that. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds cool. Definitely. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the next event that we really want you to come join us at is the Big Wheel Coaching Criterium Race Tactics Experience at CBR, California Bicycle Racing on Sunday, December 8th. This is a really special opportunity for all Category 4 racers. So if you're in Southern California, even if you're in Northern California, there's no upgrade races. Okay. Uh, and these are specifically, there's going to be two races on that day, both of which pay attention here. You're going to get experience upgrade points two experience upgrade points by joining big wheel coaching that day at CBR. This is literally, I have not even put this out on social media yet. This is going to happen. So you guys are the first to know that, uh, you're going to get two experience points for this. I just talked with, uh, Chris Jennings of, uh, the SCNCA, and he he already said, hey, Brian, if you fold X, Y, and Z into your curriculum, he's like, I'll make sure that all your guys attending get uh, get upgrade points. So this is a big deal. We're going to teach you some race craft. We're going to talk about race skills, and we want to help you have a great season in 2020. And the best way to do that is to scrimmage. The best way to do that is through preseason racing so that you know where your fitness stands, what your strengths are, so that you can continue to reinforce your strengths, and more importantly, what weaknesses you have so that now before the season starts, you can start addressing those weaknesses. So if you have ever thought about learning more about team tactics, learning more about advanced race tactics, if you want to know how to have a great 2020 and in the process, you want to be treated like a pro for a day, you want to come to the Big Wheel Coaching Crit Tactics Race Experience on C with CBR on December 8th. So check out bikereg.com. There's a, there's a component there for you. You can do that and get signed up. It's really easy. Jeff Prins over at CBR is just a, a wonderful man. We're going to get him on the podcast as well. Um, so we'll, we'll have that. Uh, please come join us. If you have questions, hit us up on that. Sign up on Bike Reg there. And then, again, kind of keeping in the theme of uh, releasing some things that have yet to be released. Brady, you want to you wanna talk about Camp Big Wheel? Ooh, I get the exciting tight. Um, yeah, Camp Big Wheel. Uh, it's it's going to be in February 20 through the 23rd. Uh, we're going to be out there in Palm Springs. The weather's going to be nice. And what we're going to try to, or what we're planning on doing is we're going to have four days of riding, um, big rides. So we're, we're doing big miles, kind of getting ready for the season. Uh, we're going to talk about some off the bike prep work that you can do, stretching, strength training taking care of your bike, taking care of your body. Um, lots of one-on-one -on -one coach time. Uh, Joy, Brian, Leo, and I will all be out there. Um, we're going to do some some cool dinners where kind of like 
family style. Everyone's chilling around. We get to chat, uh, just see how everyone, like, talk about whatever you guys want. Um, we're going to do one super big ride. Lots of folks getting together, um, some ride support. It's going to be sick, basically. Yeah. So we are so excited about this, everyone. I, this is, this is a long time coming. We've been wanting to put this camp together and it's been on the docket for a long time. And now is the time to do it. So 2020, please save the date, pay attention to our social media channels because it's going to come out and this is going to be a really affordable camp. Okay. The reason we're calling it, uh, or the reason why it is camp big wheel is we do things a little bit different. Okay. It's not just about the riding. It's going to be about the off the bike experience. It's going to be about helping you prepare for a great 2020. If you have big goals in 2020, or like, shall we say, whether they be grand fondos or, uh, endurance mountain bike races or endurance gravel races or whatever that is, this is going to be a camp for you. Even if you're interested in doing multi-day road racing, stage racing, this is a great thing for you. It's going to be a lot of fun. And not just a lot of fun. We've had a ton of success with what we call the Peloton experience. And that's helping people ride in tight knit groups so that we can go across these or do these rides faster. We've done it mammoth the last few years. We've done it before that at various other events. And it's been incredibly successful and super fun. You know, we've had people that were eight hour Fondo riders that came and did it in six hours with us because they, they just got the benefit of the draft. They kept their nose clean. They ate early. They drank often. They stopped purposefully, right? And we just kept going. So there was a lot of people there that we brought them up a level by just incorporating them into the Peloton. And then there's people that were maybe wanting to work at the front of the Peloton, but they were a little unsure of their skills. We worked with them on the skill set side so that they could work at the front. Now all of a sudden, not only did they have their fastest hundred miler, they had their, they put in the most work at the front and they got that pride that comes with, Hey, I pulled today. I did a lot of hard work or, Hey, I was pulling in a headwind for everyone. They got that pride and they earned that. There's only one way to make that, to get that pride and have that confidence. And it's by doing the hard work and, we're here to facilitate that through Camp Big Wheel as we want to make that happen because we're going to do one epic ride, probably going to be 200K, folks. Probably 200K in the Palm Desert be mostly flat, but it's going to be a big dog. And so you're going to need to work with everyone. No one can just ride that 200K solo fast. We need to work together. We need to echelon. We need to pace line properly, eat properly, all these other things. So it's going to be a great time. All four days, we're going to have a cool little celebration dinner, but lots and lots of cool stuff. So Stay tuned for that. Um, we'll, we'll release some more details about that. So uh, on that note, you know, we have a pedal industry store. Go to pedal industries and look up uh, under collections, big wheel coaching. And there's a really cool race day bag. There's a cool poncho, changing poncho, changing nap, bunch of cool stuff. We got some other things that are coming in that vein. If you're into that, check that out. Uh, definitely cool stuff. So Brady, closing gratuity. What are you thankful for? Ooh, okay. This is always the pressure gets on right here. Um, and you'd think I would know by now to like have something in my head, but uh, I'll give the shout out to Lindsay today. I'm pretty. I got a got a girlfriend now, and things are going good. Super grateful for her. And uh, yeah, that's pretty tight. I'm super super grateful for her. Wow. For those of you at home. That's really exciting because Brady, uh, Brady's a, you know, you're, you're always very private about these things. So the fact that you're, you're <laughs> saying that shout out, that's really, man, that's, she's a special girl. I got a chance to meet her and she's lovely. She's lovely. So, you know, I, um, I have to tell you, I, uh, I'm very thankful for being introduced and having friends that introduce me to new concepts and things that I need to learn. So like we kind of talked about last week in our podcast, we had that strength training thing and I've been doing the strength training and it takes a lot these days for me to incorporate some changes because we just have Seamus and joy and business and busy lives and all this stuff going on and changing things up is, is harder than you might think. So when you at home are listening, I don't, I don't throw around you changing things up with these indoor workouts or strength training or, or adding yoga or meditation or, or stretching or any of these things. I don't throw these things out there 
because I think they're easy. I throw these things out there because they're worth you investing the time in and, and getting uncomfortable with. And so I'm really thankful for friends that do that. Cause a couple of people have said, Hey, you need to do the strength training. And, and, uh, that, that has been super helpful for me. So I've been doing the strength training for, you know, two weeks now. And I'm feeling like, Oh, wow. Like I'm, I wish I, I just want to kind of like shout at the mountaintops, like, Hey, everybody like this could help you. Like it's not the same way for everybody, but certainly, certainly it's very helpful, especially for the very, for, for two parties, the very well-developed cyclist who's been stale and just riding bikes for a long time, i.e. me. Um, and then the, the newbie, uh, bike rider who doesn't have a lot of, uh, strength training experience from other places and it needs to build power and strength. So, um, there are a number of ladies that I coach that, that are like, they just need that physical brute force to be able to like kick ass and take names with the men. Cause they have the right attitude and they, they have the tenacity and the grit and we just need to get them a little more power. And then we have a lot of guys that are like, Hey man, I work at a, you know, I'm 20 years deep into working at a corporate job that, that I sit behind a desk all day. I just don't have any power. And like, it's helping them be able to keep up with their buddies, which is just as important. So it's definitely, it's, it's, you know, something very useful. And I'm thankful that other people have introduced me to that concept and helped me see that it's something that can help all of our athletes. So for you at home, know that through this podcast, we just want to bring you guys great stuff that can help you get better. And, uh, we're not just trying to take up your day by, by wasting it with an hour. We want to do stuff that really helps you and help you understand it at an organic level not just um, talk to you from a, a science pedestal, right? We want to talk to you as person to person because we can go ride bikes together. We're, you know, I'm only a phone call away from my athletes and I know Brady is too. So it's coach Joy and Leo. So if you guys need anything from us, you please let us know. Thank you so much for listening. We just, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. If you're enjoying the podcast, tell your friends about it, please. And uh, share it with them and know that we just want to help them get better too. And Brady, Thanks so much for your time today, brother. Looking forward to doing another one of these with you soon. Yeah, thanks, big dog. It was uh, it was fun. Thanks, everyone out there for listening, and talk to you later. Awesome. Peace out. <laughs>